Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And as promised, we have uh, I, a great interview this week, I think. Um, and uh, how, how are you? How are you feeling, Chuck? Are you are you? Uh, I know you're you're on the mend, but you're kind of leveled out with your with your body and stuff, right? You're not getting any better, not getting any worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, OK, so for a little quick update, um, medical pension is at nearing the end. Um, I, I just got to see a couple more doctors that are mandatory. And then basically all the doctors have basically said, you can't do this shit anymore. Right. Is what it is. Um, uh, I'm probably gonna need one more knee surgery. That's what it's looking like. Um, that's actually the doc said he gave me like a time frame. He says, if your knee is not better, you were going to have to go in and we're going to have to try either the same procedure we already did, which is basically cloning, uh, some cells and implanting them back in me, or we're going to do a procedure from Israel where they take coral and implant it into the knee. And I'm like, all right, cool. That, that's probably what's going to happen. I'm probably gonna do the Israeli one. Cause I already did the other one. It didn't work too much scar mm-hmm. tissue, too much damage in the knee. So I, I think I, I'm gonna try the coral, see if that makes it better. If it doesn't make it better, I'm fucked, but yeah, there's no more relocating of my knee. I refuse that. Shit swimming was your knee. Right. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then my back is kind of like leveled out. It's pretty shitty. Um, but it's, uh, it's some days are better than others. Um, and I'm trying to limp my back uh, as long as I can. Uh, I need a fusion, but, um, I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to see if I can wait as long as I can. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the procedures that I had didn't really take too great. And then back procedures, they're 50 50 man so it's it's like it either is going to work really 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 well or it's it's going to revert pretty quick and it reverted pretty quick pretty shortly after the surgery uh which is interesting and i thought maybe i could get a little bit better uh had an epidural epidural didn't didn't work at all so no more of those ever because it can actually do more damage than good so yeah that's where i'm at um so uh if anyone's hiring let me know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you need a burnout. Serious. Jesus. So now, Chuck, you've got us. Uh, we've got an email. Yes. Uh, so about uh, someone that that intrigues me. So why don't you tell us about this email? Because our guest is. I uh, jumped. Yeah, I jumped on this quick as shit. Um, so publicist reached out to us and was like, "Hey, I've got a client." um that uh would might be a good fit for you guys and i was like all right cool i read the email actually you sent it to me forward it to me because i'm booking mm-hmm. and i read the first portion of it and i was like 100 don't need to read anymore i did but it's pretty it's pretty interesting and this is what i read jack treadway and his team of osi counterintelligence agents were instrumental yeah, <laughs> over a hundred insurgents from the battle space in Iraq in 2007. They were so good at their job that the enemy took notice. 
when three of his team members were targeted and killed, Jack and his surviving teammates race against time to avenge their fallen friends. I was like, oh my God, coming yeah. next summer. It, let's do it. Right. This is not, so just so you guys know, this is not a trailer that he's reading. This is an actual uh, book written by our guest, Jack. How are you, Jack? Pretty good. How about you? Uh, we're doing great. We're glad to have you here. Um, I don't like he's doing too good. Well, he's doing better, if you can believe that. <laughs> Going through medical no. retirement sucks. I'm going to quit whining. Don't drink a lot of... Huh? <laughs> I'm going to quit whining about my problems. <laughs> and, and Don't you know drink a lot of alcohol with your people. problems, either. <laughs> that too. We've, had, uh, we've had a lot of people on the show that have gone through uh, much worse than us, so we're just we're always grateful yeah. to, to just have every day above ground, every day walking around. And we—that's why we dedicate our, our our episodes to those that have fallen in the line of duty because we're lucky. Even if, even if I am a beat up, broken down old beat cop, and Chuck's going through medical retirement, and you know, hey, at least we're here. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah, uh, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you ended up in the service to begin with? Because as as your bio says, uh, first of all, I want to give the name <laughs> of the book again. Uh, it's a first ever mem memoir by an Air Force OSI agent. It's Insurgent Hunter, Memoirs of a Navy SEAL Turned Counterinsurgent Agent. Um, and tell us tell us a little bit about how you ended up getting into the service to begin with. What, what's your background and your upbringing? Uh, yeah, so um, from uh, Northern California, uh, I was a Navy brat, so moved around a lot growing up. Dad was a, a submariner. Uh, no, poor bastard on submarines, right? He's a little yeah. weird. Really liked it. Yeah. So all submariners are a little weird, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I told him after my first uh, uh, operations on a uh, submarines when I came back from doing lock in lockouts in the teams. He was excited, you know. Hey, how was it? I'm like, you're weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out, dude. Yeah. But the food's yeah. good. I hear the food, the food awesome. is good. It was great, man. It's like. I don't know if they eat like that all the time, but every time we got on a sub, there's steak and lobster, you know? Really? Yeah, my buddy told me that the subs have the best food in the Navy because you're stuck. There's the only perk you're going to get being on a sub is good food. So they, the best chefs and the best menus in the Navy are on submarines is what I was told by my buddy. But Matt, Matt told me that. Yeah. Oh, I always know when we went on ship, we were like, oh, fuck yeah, we're going on ship. Dude, they're going to have some of the best food. The Navy is known for their cuisine. And we got to watch football and eat some chicken wings, and we were like, "Hell yeah!" But you're getting steak and lobster. Yeah, it was it was good to go, man. On the awesome. stuff. And they always played the same movie, no matter what sub we went on. They would play like this old Frogman UDT movie, black and white. They always played the same one, no matter what boat we got. But I appreciated it. It was great. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, grew up uh, bouncing around as a Navy brat. Um, when I got in high school. Um, played football, uh, had a really good time in high school, too much of a good time. And the old man was like, Hey, look, um, when you graduate, he goes, uh, you got to find someplace to go. Cause you're not staying here. Your dinner plate is broken. He goes, uh, you should probably pick a branch and just go. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I went down originally and I went down to the army and I was like, uh, I want to go uh, Ranger and then uh, uh, Special Forces. So I started the process and was getting ready to go to MEPS and all that. And 
came back was going to tell the old man, Hey, I, I picked a path, you know? And he's like, uh, he's like, boy, don't you know the baddest men to walk the face of the earth are UDT seals. I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> and you know, the old man's impressed. So I got to go, okay, I got to check this out. So back then I could not find anything on it. Nothing. Um, I found an old, uh, I found a book with a guy with a twin, uh, steel cylinder tanks on his back, locking on the out, locking out on the outside of a submarine from like World War II. Um, so then I went down and talked to the recruiter and got a pamphlet and showed me all that I need to do. And uh, my old man was a recruiter at one time. And he said he had about 13 guys while he was a recruiter total that would try to go. And he said, um, out of all the guys he thought would make it, he said the guy he least suspected, you know, finished. So um, the more I found yeah. out, it was like an 80% attrition rate, but hey, if you made it, you were stationed on the beach in either Virginia Beach or Coronado. So, yeah, uh, neither one of those locations are bad. No, so I was on the record. Yeah, so, um, so that junior, the summer before my senior year, I processed in and I made the commitment. Um, and then that year I just played football and then I trained, man. I mean, I got up, um, every other morning and I was running in steel toe boots, I'd do like four miles and, you know, and you didn't have a, I didn't have a watch back then. So I would check the digital on my microwave when I took off out the door and there was like the halfway point, there was a bank in the middle of the city that had a time. So I knew my halfway point and I'd hop the fence at the pool at night. Cause I didn't have a pool and I would do my swimming in there and uh, <laughs> just got ready. And, you know, and I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do it because if I failed, you know, it's going to be pretty right. Bad, you know, yeah, that's smart. Don't 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 tell anybody. Just do it. Yeah. My football coach caught me on a Sunday, though. I used to go on Sundays. I had a like a, a short telephone pole I used to throw in the back of my truck. And the nastier the weather was, the better off it was because I knew nobody would be out there to see me. But I'd drive up to behind the football field where we would run the cross country and I'd uh, run the cross country with that pole. He caught me one day. He's like, Hey, what the hell are you doing? I just kind of shook my head, you know, didn't really tell him, <laughs> but, uh, right. uh yeah. yeah. So, well, it's, it's actually interesting that that parallels a little bit. Um, I'm, you know, I've, I've read Marcus Luttrell's book and he talks about, uh, there was a, him and his brother, his twin brother had a, a mentor who right. basically, you know, he had been, uh, you know, a seal, I guess. And he had kind of prepped them and taught them to do all this work in ahead of time in advance of going to, you know, uh, try out for buds and, and try and make the teams. And, and, uh, it sounds like you did the same thing, only you didn't have that mentor. You just did it all yourself on the, on the download. So nobody knew. Correct. Yeah, pretty much. And I just, you know, I, every bit of information I could get on it, I would just put into it, you know, and, what I found out was just just to just to get selected to pass that PT test, you know, I knew right away, okay, well that's that's nothing. That you just gotta be able to do that. You should be able to be walking off the street right. just that. Right. I focused mm -hmm. on No, you're talking about the Navy's PT test through boot camp, right? Right. No, there's the actual you get uh, selected for buds. Correct. Yeah. A seal okay. uh, reading PT test that they give you. Yeah, Matt. Matt actually has talked to me about this. Just so you know, Jack. Matt's our other co-host, and he, he was the one I told you was in the Navy, went to prison. He right. when he went to, when he went to uh, basic, you know, he said, "Yeah, the the test to get into buds, right, isn't isn't the hard part. Buds, 
It's not designed to keep people out. Buds yeah. is designed to keep people out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. So you, you know, you gotta, you know, I, um, I teach in school now. So, you know, when I have, when I have kids coming up to me with all the information that they have access today, when they come up to me and they tell me they want to go like, you know, special operations of whatever, if they don't know the requirements and their ASVAB score and everything they knew to get there, then the, to me, they're not serious, you know, but right, you know, right. I get a kid that comes up to me and he can tell me everything he's got to accomplish. And Oh, by the way, he's been working on it and he tells me where he's at. I'm like, okay, then you're serious. So I'll, I'll work with you, you know? So, awesome. yeah. So, uh, um, all that goes through. Yeah. By the way, back then, now they got a, a they've gotten really smart in how they do the pipeline and, and, and recruit guys and get them ready to go. Now, um, back then, uh, you just had to wait while you're in basic and you're, you're getting out of shape while you're in basic waiting to be screened. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I got in trouble because I was getting out of shape and they used to have this thing at night for guys that got in trouble called marching party. And, um, I heard it was ran by a, a team guy where they just went out there yeah. and PT the shit. Out. <laughs> so I tried you to purposely got in trouble. Well, I, I tried to volunteer for it. And, um, the uh, chief petty officer in charge of our uh, company thought I was a smart ass. So he decided to beat me every night. So I was like, all right, that'll work, you know? So, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So they, they come into the uh, classroom um, and there's a bunch of guys and we're all sitting there and they show a video. Um, it was a pretty good video. It, it, right. it, I liked it even more after I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked for volunteers and then they take you out and they throw you in the pool and all these jackasses who are not, they're not prepared. I don't even know if they know how to swim, but they all jump in the pool and they're kind of in your way. So it's like a big man soup in the pool. And you're trying to swim through all that. And um, you're, I'm like, man, these guys are going to slow me down. I ain't going to make it before I even get out of the pool. So you finish, you get out of the pool. The guys that finish on the time, they take you in the locker room and they look at their ASVAB scores and tell everybody who can't who oh you didn't score high enough you shouldn't have swam in the first place you know right and right. then um from there they took us out and you do your uh your push-ups your setups your pull-ups by the time we were done with pull-ups i was the last guy left and then they take you out to do your mile and a half and back then you wore uh those dunga jams those bell-bottom jeans and uh <laughs> yeah yeah steel toe boots <laughs> and yeah. you had a mile and a half so um super fun Super yeah. fun to run. Yeah. But you know, you're 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 fired up for it, so yeah, that's what you're waiting for. And um, that was the PT test to get into uh buds. Uh, correct, correct, yeah. And then today, um they um they they um made a rating for uh they call it a special uh operator rating, uh SO mm-hmm. what they call them now. But back then you didn't have um you didn't have that, so you had to what they called strike for a rating that for some reason a guy who strikes for a certain technical job can go to seal training. So, um, yeah. So I got slated to do sonar technician and I never did anything to do with, well, I guess I did later on, but I really had nothing to do with sonar on a ship my whole career. So, but you go there. Um, I was there for three months, I guess I tried to get out of it because I heard if you go boats mate, you're only there for three weeks. Well, huh. I, plus I had gotten trouble before I went in. I got in a, um, a kind of a, a Donnie Brook with some guys and, um, 
one of them got hurt pretty bad. So I had a civil suit against me, which I had to pay my old man seven grand for. Oops. Shit. And, um, so I was worried about my security clearance. I was like, oh, crap. This was going on when I was in basic already. I'm like, wait a minute, what? And then um, so I tried to get out of the solar technician and the the uh, the seal that was doing the ratings. He's like, you uh, you leave sonar technician. He goes, you're going to he's like, I'm going to you're going to go straight to the fleet if you if you change. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm staying sonar. Technician. Oops. Well, yeah. yeah the, the decision was made for you. Right, so you right. get your buds and 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 then you end up as a as an counter insurgent. So explain to me because I'm pretty savvy, mm-hmm. but Air Force OSI agent and insurgent hunter. How do you end up being that from Navy SEAL? And what's your story, man? The floor is yours. Yeah. So um um yeah, uh buds teams about uh uh 14 years in the teams um i broke uh, i broke my back and had my um knee reconstructed so i got sent to uh buds as an instructor while i was there we had um we had uh green berets that were working with us i was in dive phase and we had uh air force uh combat controllers that were working with us in dive phase um everybody in there was either broken or they were transitioning to get out. And Mm -hmm. why that's the place to go to do that is because you can go to college at night. Uh, Right. So, and I will tell you that almost every guy that got his degree in that place, except for one, there was 20 of us, um, went into some kind of law enforcement or an agency. Sure. Wow. So, um, once 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 you finish your degree you're like okay where do i put this and um i actually applied to the dea and i had a friend that was putting in a package for um air force um commissioning officer commissioning he was Mm -hmm. a controller um he's like hey man you ought to do it too just copy my package we got the same training so me and a special forces guy we copied his package and we threw ours in with his and we all got picked up pretty fast Oh wow. wow! Right, and now for the for the listeners, uh, OSI is Office of Special Investigations, correct? Right, right. That's okay. that Jack Reacher stuff. Um, so he was Army Army CID. Army CID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. investigations. So yeah. so OSI is is really cool because, um, well, first of all, you know, I found out about OSI through um, uh, a warrant officer in the SEAL teams that worked with him, and I wanted I wanted to be a federal agent, so. Air Force OSI, they're, they're federal agents, and they're a combination of active duty officers and enlisted and civilian agents. Oh, shit. Yeah, wow, so, that's really cool. Yeah, so, so you were not – so not everybody that's in the OSI is a commissioned officer or is actually even a member of the Air Force. You do have civilian agents. Correct, yeah. And and nobody knows who – who you know, nobody knows who is active and who's civilian except for us, the agents. Wow. Right. Right. And we don't we don't wear we don't wear uniforms. We don't wear insignia. We don't wear rank. Um, most of the time, when you first starting out as an agent, you're wearing a suit and tie. Right. And, right. right. So, so um, when I uh, got selected for that, you go to Fletsy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, in Glencoe, Georgia, with all the other yeah. that go there. Um, I loved it, man. You, you live on the campus for six months and people go, why did you love it? Uh, like, are you kidding me, man? You go there, 
you fight, shoot, drive fast, learn about the law and PT every day. It was like a playground, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Early in our, early in our podcast, we had a, a friend of the show. She went to Fletzy, um, or the law enforcement arm of the federal girl. I won't say what, but she's a federal law enforcement agent and she went yeah. to Fletzy and she, she would send us updates on how, how it was. And the only thing shitty about Fletzy is it's in Georgia and the weather in Georgia sucks. Yeah, man. The mosquitoes are bringing you to your knees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're prehistoric, man. Yeah. Only for the first year, only for the first year. <laughs> then they, then your then they get your your blood your your body acclimates and then they just leave you alone. No, George, those motherfuckers will bite you through clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was like, I was, they don't care. I was impressed. So you were so you were considered a, a civilian agent because you had already gotten out and no, you didn't so, go back in, or or were you? Did you? It, yeah, is um, I got I left. Uh, you know, I left the, the, the teams one day and the next day I was in, um, officer training school. Um, so I never, I kept, I kept my pension going, my military active duty, my pension. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So wound up doing a total of, uh, 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 28, 28 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So when you, um, and, and the cool thing too, about when I got to, uh, Fletzy, um, the selection for OSI is, is pretty good too. Um, you're in there with some good company. Um, and it, and, and the, and the men and women that I was in there, uh, going through the Academy with, once you had a conversation with them, you realized why they were selected. They all had some kind of special training, whether it be some kind of cyber or forensics or some kind right. of language. Yeah. They're all specialists, right? Right. 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 Um, so it was pretty interesting. You had former Marines, you had, uh, other former, uh, special operations guys. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a good, um, organization to be a part of, you know? Sounds awesome. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. We even had, uh, former police officers, um, lawyers. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I know, um, that, that for example, I, well, I became a terrorism liaison officer for my department and right. I know the federal government, there are certain investigating agencies that actually do like to recruit street cops. Yeah. Um, and, mm -hmm. and especially narcotics, for example, I was working narcs and I had a background in narcs and then I went to terrorism liaison officer school and there was a guy from the CIA who, there. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you ever want to work for the feds, we always want dope cops at the CIA. And I said, why? And he says, because you guys know how to break down, uh, and and investigate, you know, s like narcotics operations, which are very similar to to terrorist cells. Right. He says the, right. the, yeah. the development informants, the the understanding how to do surveillance, the, you know, sure, yeah. very yeah. similar. So if, for those of you cops listening out there, if you want to want to do some uh, secret squirrel shit, yeah, the feds are always looking for for good. But you bet you get get your shit together, get it all the way together, have a degree, be under thirty seven. <laughs> Right, right. You know, that was that was my goal before I got fucking injured. I wanted to do federal, uh, either DA marshals or I didn't want to go fed fed boys, the FBI. I didn't want to do it. I just had too much bad blood, bad taste in my mouth from a couple of those dudes. But uh, <laughs> different animal. Anyway, go ahead. So OSI, you get there, yeah. and it's a lot of street cops and 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 other operators and spec ops guys. Right, right. Um, yeah. So. Uh, in fact, the, the guy that I uh, went through, our, our names were close in the alphabet, and he was my partner. And this this dude was huge, man. He was he was ripped at two eighty five, and he played. Oh my god! Football. 
Yeah. So you we, said Jack we, earlier. Jack, you weren't yeah. kidding. So he the reacher that, dude. Yeah, yeah, that, that he he was, but uh, he was actually a um, he was actually a narcotics uh, officer um, in a in a southern state down there before. Mm, he, okay. Yeah. But um, right. um, yeah. So when we would do uh, jujitsu or something like that, and he'd be on top of me, I'm like, really, man? You think this? God, it's like work? wrestling a tree. Yeah, he's like he's sitting on my chest. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, me and you get into it, you are never gonna get me on the ground like this. This is you're right. <laughs> you're just gonna shoot done. Right, yeah, right. Point. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was a really cool dude. Another another quality guy, you know, that I got to meet there. So you finish school, you get sent to um, your detachment. Um, pr- your primary job is to protect the uh, Department of Defense folks, you know, whatever uh, right. you get attached to. Um, when you're a new guy, you show up, you get all the um, you get the death investigations, you get the, the sexual assaults, rapes, all that. So now, let me back you up then. Where what death investigations and what sexual assaults and rapes, where are they occurring that you have jurisdiction? On base? So, yeah, that's what I was so about to ask. On base or off, if, it, if it's a uh, um, if it's a uh, uh, D, if it's DOD personnel, uh, oh, in okay, your, your jurisdiction. So you also got to you also um, you, we work with uh, local law enforcement and other agencies right. quite sure. a bit, like almost on everything, you know, because there's some areas where you you can't go serve a warrant unless you talk to the guys that are you know, <laughs> you know local boys putting somebody on the ground and drawing guns and not let the locals know what you're what you're up to, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times when you went and did your investigations, you did your knock and talks, um, your, your, your local guys knew better who to go talk to and, 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 and where to go find some of this information too. So, yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, same thing overseas. I mean, we have OSI agents all over the world and you have to do the same thing overseas with your foreign counterparts. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, and then you hit the nail on the head when you talked about, um, working in some kind of, a uh, intelligence agency, because my primary goal was to get down range, um, to, to, to do counter Intel, um, going after the booger eaters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I can't imagine you were like happy doing the municipal police stuff of like the mundane, like. Not to say they're not important, but the mundane reports, like the the, the fucking assaults and the stuff like that. And you're like, oh gosh, like I just want to, I want to get past this. But I get where you why you have to start there because you got to learn the basics. Sure, sure, and and you know, and it's good experience. Oh yeah, you you, you get put with some guys like, you know, I was I was an officer agent and um I got partnered with a guy that was an E six, but he had you know about you know fifteen years of experience, so he was in charge. You know what I mean? And right. He, he was trading. So you got to be professional too. You know, you can't all, all that kind of goes out the window. Unless somebody's going to get killed or do something illegal. I'm really not an officer at that point. Right. To call anything. I'm, I'm learning from this guy, you know? Yeah. I, when I, I worked with a lot of high speed guys and you know, expertise is expertise. Like you were talking about specialists, you know, right. you know, they all have a specialist, a specialty. And if you can't, if you don't know how to run a surveillance, right. Get out of the way and let, the experts run a survey because it's not like following people is an art form. <laughs> it is. You got, you got to train for it, man. And it takes, takes more than just one car. It takes. More yeah. Right. Any, I get my wife, my wife, I get so mad at how people are surveilled and how cops do surveillance in film and TV almost more than a lot of other bullshit. Like I can deal with a lot of other bull, but 
surveillance is such a fine art. It's the same thing with, uh, with you know, oh, developing yeah. informants. Right. You know, you don't send any jack wagon to go out and try and develop informants. You better have some skills if you right. want to start developing informants. Exactly. So, so back to your point about your, uh, uh, your, your guys who were uh, other agencies that talked to yeah. you because you had sure. product experience. So when those got, when I told my bosses like, Hey, that's what I want to do. I want to do the downrange vision. They're like, okay, then when you got to get narcotics, cause you got to learn how to run confidential informants. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm in. And, um, but you got to have experience before you go to do that and start uh, informants and, and doing their surveillance and everything. So you get there, you, um, you're, 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 you know, narcotics, of course, as you know, you know, you grow your hair out and, grow your beard out and i yep. wore flannel shirts and jeans with holes in them to work and rode my harley a lot and um yep. and uh you know and then you, you you develop some informants you know and to develop an informants a lot of times you gotta you gotta bust guys <laughs> that are already involved you know <laughs> right you know they're already a little right. dirty so but um yeah you um you learn how to do that at home and then they say okay now you're you're ready to go you know and they send you down range yeah. So, what so, happened when you went? When you obviously were ramping up? Because I'm assuming your, I mean, your book deals with the stuff you're doing downrange. What? what yeah. Happened? So you like, get into counterinsurgency, which that's gonna. Yeah. I, I imagine counterinsurgency has got to be a lot of developing human uh, human assets and yeah. and yeah. surveillance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So your 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 job downrange is basically um, you're you're an investigator. And you're 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 running informants, um, and you're putting evidence together. And when you when you develop a, a target, um, then you find a team to action it. You know, right. and depending right. on how gnarly your your target is, depends on the team that can action them. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, well, is it capture? Is it not capture? So so almost all of them are are killer cap. <laughs> capture right almost all yeah sure. so, so um so yeah so when i when i got there on the ground um osi teams um you know normally were about about 10 10 folks and we had interpreters and we had analysts um and we had our uh, support folks but, but before I got there, they used to have tactical security elements, which were army. So when you went out to meet an informant um, or you went out on a raid with the army or something um, to do sensitive side exploitation, uh, basically collected evidence and interviewing people. Um, right, right. You had the uh, tactical security element, the army uh, um, guys attached to your detach your OSI detachment. They take you out. And you only need two agents and your interpreter, and you'd go out and you'd meet your informant someplace secluded, um, and, and get your intel. And those guys were like your security. Well, when I landed, the army was so busy with their ops tempo, they stripped all the OSI detachments of their TSEs, their tactical security elements. Oh wow! So, but OSI still had to do their mission. So, um, depending on your uh, who who your uh, your senior guy who owns your battle space that you went out on patrol on, they told you what your requirements were to, to, to go outside the wire. And, um, at Balad air base, ours was, we had to have uh, three Humvees minimum and, um, three guys 
in each truck minimum, and we had a crew serve weapons mounted on the top. So what time yeah. frame are we talking? So I was there in uh, 2007. Oh, okay. So, you know, nothing going on. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's right when I enlisted, dude. Right. You you were you were <laughs> doing yeah. the secret squirrel shit right right when I was like I think I'm gonna go go on the Marine Corps. Yeah, uh, awesome. I'm a, I'm old dude. So uh, when when I when I landed, um, the the yeah, so was bombs like um, uh, an average of forty times a week, getting rocketed and mortared. And um, the uh, the EOD guys there, the package they had said that they had either. We had there had either been found or hit uh, in the past year one thousand and thirty five IEDs in our battle space. Uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, I mean, when you went outside the wire, I mean, your your ass puckered a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. But I can um, only imagine, right? So um, that dirt looked different than the rest of the dirt. I swear to God, that dirt looks different than the rest of the dirt. You know what? And the part the part of Iraq I was in reminded me a lot of. Uh, fresno (laughs) you know what they're probably about the same as far as danger (laughs) did you have a lot of tracks out there marine corps tracks out there amphibious vehicles what's that did you have a lot of amphibious vehicles out there where you're operating no minefields and shit uh no what we had um the army would have like uh uh the bradley and uh when i left they brought mraps out there um, but we were just an um, up armored Humvees, man. Uh, yeah. And so you had um, that going for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, before, before I got there and before um, guys were just going out there and like uh, up armored Suburbans before the Humvees. Oh, geez. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Dude. yeah. So that's that Blackwater shit right there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. um, so when I, when I got there and got on the ground, um, you know, some of the guys that were leaving were like, you know, they're impressing upon me. Like, look, man, look how many Intel reports we write and all this. And I'm like, yeah, man, but how are you affecting the battle space? You're getting bombed 40 times a week. What are your Intel reports doing to take these guys off the battle space? So they quit doing that shit to us. Right. So, um, what we wound up doing is we broke out a chart and, um, we broke up sectors around the base. And then we assigned two agents to each sector and said, anything that happens in that area aimed at us or anybody on patrol out there, that's your, that's your fault. You're accountable for it. Mm. So um, say for instance, if we had uh, rockets coming in, the army had systems where you can get a point of origin where that shit came from. So, right. They could back to kind of, kind of ballistically trace it back to its origin. Right. 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 So, um, you know, I mean, it was almost immediate, right? I could pull it up on my screen in my office and I could walk into the bullpen where all the other agents were and say, look, that's your area. Let's get on it, man. They, the sirens are going off and, you know, uh, stuff's landing on the airfield next to us. So um, we, what, that's what we decided to do. And you kind of took, you kind of took ownership and you're kind of proud of shutting that stuff down. Right. So uh, by the time I left, from um, and, and how we did it was human, human intelligence. And we would try to synergize it with uh, uh, image intelligence and um, signals intelligence um, and, and work with our other, um, our, you know, our, our, our other units that were out there who were also uh, 
collected and tracking and patrolling. Right. Um, and then once we had a target, um, we, we'd, uh, we'd get with whatever unit could action it and we'd go with them and, um, do a raid on where these guys were, were living or located. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so how does, so, so talk me, tell, talk me through. So I imagine these things get pretty nautical. Um, talk me through one of your raids. Like, how does it go? And, and tell just tell me about one of them that sticks out in your mind as, as, because yeah. we, we all know, right? right. If there's, if, if they, if they go to plan, right? Like they, 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 have, nothing, ha- it's not interesting when it goes to plan, but right. nothing ever goes to plan. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll tell you about a, a frustrating one, but in the end, um, the bad guy still got theirs. Okay. Okay. So, um, uh, another thing that was cool is we had, a uh, a, a base defense operations center or a joint defense operations center. They call it a JDOC. And, um, the army guys ran it out of there, but you also had air force guys who were inside uh, who um, had security forces that patrolled inside the wire on the perimeter. Um, some units, security forces would go outside the wire, uh, but their mm-hmm. primary uh, concern was the airfield. So they're working in there um, with, with the army and the army's doing most of the patrolling to about 12 miles out to 20 miles out outside the base. So um, inside there also, you'd have a JTAC who's operating a predator. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So nice. some of our missions, I mean, I would sit down with this guy and I would get in like a couple hours what it would take me three to four days as a um on a reconnaissance team on an RNS team as a sniper in the SEAL teams to take me about three or four days to get. And you'd get it in a couple hours with this guy, you know. Wow. So you could put a really good target package together as far as you know, helicopter landing zones, um, what's around the door to be breached if there's dogs if there's guys guarding um where he squirts to all that stuff you know so we were able to put some pretty good packages together um so um this one in particular um um one of my buddies um one of our fallen agents who was there he had a uh uh intel to hit two targets at one time um we had to go to a forward operating base because another unit owned that battle space. And I think these were third infantry division guys, third ID guys. The guys that we were working with out of our base were first, first cav guys. They were artillery guys that had to learn how to do urban warfare, basically. So um, we went out uh, to the forward operating base um, and we don't look like military at all, man. I mean, cause we oh. got a lot of shakes and, some guys are wearing old tanker uh, uh, uniforms from the army. I'm wearing like um, uh, desert bottom half with a t-shirt on the top. Everybody's got a beard. Some guys got hair down to their shoulders, you know, roll like that. Um, Baseball caps. And then, um, you know, your tack vest and your, and your rifles and your pistols. Um. So we roll in there and uh, we got to go talk to this major that's running that fog. And uh, he's like, who the hell are you guys? You know? So yeah, we're <laughs> Airport office of special investigations. He's like, he looks at us kind of funny, like, okay, sure you are, whatever. So, you know, we sit down and we tell him like, Hey man, we got a target over here. Some guys that have been rocketing our base from this area behind your fob. 
And also, we know where their weapons cache is. It's it's over here. So we show him on the map. He's like, I think we can hit both these places at one time. More like that would be cool because if you hit one, the other one's going to disappear. Right, right, right. So uh, we plan it for another day. Um, just to patrol from there to their base is a lot of IEDs are laid on that route, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's times where we came out of there and there's a whole smoldering on the damn road that we drive by um, from IEDs. And what these knuckleheads would do is they would plant these bombs in the same hole that they dug before. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So you kind of knew, you thought you did, you kind of knew, you know, where you wanted to be careful at, what you wanted to look for. But um, how I lost my three friends, it didn't really help us that night for sure. Right. So um, we go on this uh, uh, mission. Um, we um, link up with the army guys. If we used any of the Iraqi uh, soldiers, um, they wouldn't tell them what the mission was until we were already on target. Basically, they was just loaded up in the trucks with guns because some of those guys were, they were not on our side, you know? Right. And again, it's hard to know. Right. Right. And they would try to take all their cell phones from them and everything. So on this particular mission, we go, uh, we have part of our team go with some army guys to go hit the weapons cache. And we have, um, and I'm with the other group that's going to hit the targets. We want to, there's uh, four guys we're looking for. Um, and, uh, we have Apache helicopters with us. Apaches are awesome, man. They were like, guardian angels to us yeah the, only, really yeah the only the only bad thing about it is is the, the booger eaters heard those things coming they they knew they knew they had to get out of dodge quick so um i even had um friends in the teams that would come back from downrange and said man if i ever come back in another life i'm flying apaches you know so we uh we go we go in and we go in a patrol um down this road we got one of those uh uh, mine detecting vehicles in front of us. It looks like a damn caterpillar Tank. or something. Yeah, it's got like all kinds of arms and yeah. stuff off of it. Um, Did it have that weird grate in the front where it like uh, comes in the front and starts like sifting through it and blows it up in front of you? Yeah, it does. It's supposed to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had never seen one at this time. This is uh, one of my first missions with it, and we're stopped and we're in the Humvee and uh. I think we also brought we also brought an informant with us to positively ID uh, any guy we pulled out so he could tell us like yeah that's your man you know oh, I love it dude they're doing infield show-ups in Iraq yeah yeah so, <laughs> this, this this might be the guy but yeah. it might not be the guy <laughs> right. is this the guy right. do you have to give him an advice okay so I, I'm now I'm genuinely curious <laughs> no, when no you're out there man <laughs> no but we had to tell him yeah. the guy, yeah. okay we're gonna show you somebody. Might be the guy, might not be the guy. If he's not the guy, it's him just as simple. Like, do you have to do, or do you just be like, hey, look at this guy, tell me? And they're like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. So normally our informants are pretty well vetted. And normally we have another informant running against them that they don't know about. Uh huh. So we, all, we already have all the information we need. And we kind of have an idea of what the guy looks like a lot of times before we even get out there. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, and it's normally an informant we've been running for a while. Um, so, uh, and then, you, you know, you, you got, you got him all covered up you got the windows darked out and you can't, you can't really see him, um, in there. So we stop and I'm like, what the hell are we for? The Apaches are flying ahead of us. These guys are going to, we're not, we're not going to get them, you know? And, uh, 
the guys radio back to me. They're like, um, the uh, the vehicle up front thinks it might have located a mine. I said, okay, take we'll take our time, man. We'll just sit here. You know, <laughs> no no sense in rushing through that. Um, after I did some investigating, it wasn't it wasn't a, um, an IED. Um, we continued on into the village, and um, immediately the helicopters are going towards the uh, the uh, the palm trees, like out by towards the tigris. Um, okay. The guys are squirting that way already. Um, they hit one house, and the soup is still hot. That's in the kitchen, oh. right? So, Damn. so all the soldiers take off, and we set up a perimeter. And we're on the edge with our Humvees, um, and there's a um, like a like an APC, like a, 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 a armor armor personnel carrier by us with some soldiers in it, and we're sitting there holding on the perimeter, waiting for them to call us in, you know, to to check these guys out and to go through the house. Um, but you know, we're we're you know we trained in, in tactics too, you know, even just law enforcement, even clear a building, you know what I mean? So right, and right. a lot. We would shut down on Fridays and Saturdays and, and do a lot of that on our own stress courses, a lot of shooting and stuff like that. And we trained enough to know that we can break contact and hold our own and hopefully until help gets there. But we knew we weren't going to go on the offensive. You know? Right. right. So we, you know, fight, fight well enough to save a guy that went down and get a quick reaction force there or, or the Apaches to come out and help us out when we were on our own. So anyways, we were the army and they took off after the guys that squirted into the palm trees and, uh, Orion, one of the guys with me, um, on the perimeter, he looks up and there's a guy looking at us peeking through the windows on a second floor and there's soldiers on the other side. So we call back to those guys and we tell them like, Hey, you know, you got a guy, you know, watching you guys from his side. It's, it's a military aged male that he's trying to hide. So they asked if we can clear that building. We cleared a lot of buildings while we were there. Sure. So, like, yeah, I go, but we're going to have an empty spot on this perimeter. Can you send any soldiers back with you? So they sent us one guy back and um, I'm like, cool. And um, um, one of our guys is holding on a win- on a window where he just saw the guy looking through. And um, we go to, we go to breach the door, but we give him a chance. Our interpreter tells him like, Hey, you know, either you open this door and let us in or we're going to bust it down. We're going to, we're going to blow it. Right. So they're yelling at each other in Arabic and he decides to open the door. Um, we roll in there, we grab him and toss him out the front door. This big guy, mm-hmm. he, he, uh, he's a air, he's a, he's a OSI reservist. If you can wrap your head around that one. How does wow, that, that's happen? crazy. Yeah. So he's, he's actually a park ranger. <laughs> he's a park what? ranger. But he was act he was active at one time, and then got out and stayed in OSI, but was a reservist in the Air Force OSI. So he would get called back to duty from time to time. That's cool, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. he he was a beast, man. We called him Gator. I mean, he was just one of those cockstrong guys who could, you know, bench three fifty just waking up in the morning, never had to work. <laughs> and he's a Jeez. park ranger. Yeah, park ranger. Awesome, uh, love it. I'd be so scared. I'd be like, yes, sir. I I don't have a license. I'm never going to talk shit about park rangers again, just in case it's that guy. Yeah. He had no neck. So I threw, threw the booger eater out to him and, you know, he puts his forearm on his throat up against the wall. It's like, you got him gator. He's like, he's not going anywhere. So we got to go in and we got to clear the rest of the house. Um, 
house is clear. We come back out and the Hermes like, Hey, that's awesome. We have another one in the far right corner. Can you guys clear that one? Like, Holy shit. But you know, the guys I'm with are like, hell yeah, let's go. And I'm like, ah, all right, not our thing, but okay, we're going. So we go and, um, there's a big guy in this one. He, he even looks like Saddam a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> he does not want to let us in his house and his wife is going ape shit and, Doing, it's almost like police work at this point, trying to calm her down and the kids down. Yeah, to I, was gonna, I was going to say the way you cordoned and tried to do your call out is exactly the way we run perimeters and we do breachings in law right. enforcement, you know, right. and you're like, hey, can you send me a guy? And they're like, yeah, we'll send you one. And like to hold a spot on a perimeter. And it's, it's exactly like what yeah. you would do in a major metropolitan area when yeah. you're having like a bunch of assholes in a house. I guess when it's taxes crazy. work, they, you know, yeah. You keep using them. Yeah, it's yeah. if it works, it works. Yeah. So, so those guys are still on the palm trees. We go into this house. The 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 wife and the and the guy that we're cuffing up. He wanted to get froggy a little bit because he's a good sized dude. But I think he looked around and saw how many of us there were. You know, there's like four of us. He decided to relax, and we cuffed him up. We went and cleared his place out. Um, we're thinking about the Iraqi homes is a lot. They sleep on the roof a lot. So you think you cleared the whole building, but you still got to go up on the roof, you know? So, wow. Yeah. So anyways, we, um, before that, before we actually cleared that first building where we got the one guy, the army had caught three guys. So we had those and me and, uh, Orion, we had bags over those guys' head and those guys cuffed up. We put them back in part and back of the APC with the army. And then we grabbed our guy and we took him too. Um, so these guys were, were, were PID positively identified by our informant as the guys that were rocketing our base. Um, I think the big fish though got away and he's the one um, that had the house with a, a warm bowl of soup. I don't want to say somebody said they saw a, a half burnt cigarette there too, but anyways, well, he was like right there. Yeah, yeah. They hear the Apaches, man. It's it's a good night, you know. And they bug out. Yeah. So we wrap these guys up. We take them back. Um, um, the other guys hit the weapons cache, and they hit a mother load. Um, EOD is with them, and they blow it in place. Um, so it's a good mission. We go back. Um, and um, at the time, and this time in 2007, they were trying to start this hearts and minds things where they were trying to get some of these uh, insurgents to come over to our side and start mm -hmm. helping with roadblocks and stuff like that and paying them off. Um, so we took these guys that worked so well in Vietnam. Right. Right. <laughs> they have a whole unit dedicated to it called public affairs where they just give them money and they think they can yeah. just buy them. And I'm like, you guys are stupid. A hearts yeah. and minds campaign that I like is two in the heart, one in the mind. Right. Yeah. It was, it was interesting how it went because it looked like it was working for, maybe a couple months and then things just went to shit again. And these guys were playing both sides. They were taking the money oh, and yeah. part-time and doing the roadblocks part-time. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it just, they start taking the money. And then as soon as they figure out how to play both sides, they just go back to playing both sides. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. This is the same thing in modern day law enforcement. When you have, <laughs> well, <laughs> and here's the thing, at least like snitches, you know, your snitches are still, like they're only going to give you the, the other dealers. They're not going to give you their dealer. <laughs> right. 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 And, and it was interesting there because you had the Sunnis 
um, diamond out the Shia, the Shia diamond out the Sunnis, you know? Right, right. They're like, I'll give you those guys. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> those guys. So, so we take these guys back, and the army lets three of them go. Their commander lets three of them go. It keeps one. So my guys are pissed because they did all yeah. that work to put those target packages together and they're just going off, you know. And I'm like, listen, man, you know, you're 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 an agent. And that, that guy's a colonel, that's his battle space. That's that's what he wants to do. That's what we do, you know. If the guy turns up again doing wrong, then then we get him again, you know. And you know, but inside my mind, I'm like, yeah, great. So one of them fucking rockets hits a building and kills somebody or one of his IEDs kill somebody on patrol so um interesting enough man i think it was not even two or three days later but these guys are back at it and they're rocketing the base from the same area Jeez. and we have a oh the my gosh it's these guys hits these three guys with a with a hellfire rocket nice kills two of them and, and sets one of them on fire <laughs> all right yeah. So all well that ends well. Right. So the guys were happy after that. Like, let's yeah. You know. I mean, that's, you know. they're like, yeah. God dang it, we're getting fucking rocketed again from the same fucking spot. And they come back later, like, hey, yeah, by the way, though, we decided to send a hellfire over there and uh, yeah. killed two of them. The other one just fucking burnt to shit. Right. Running around <laughs> like a fucking chicken with his head cut off and like, oh, right. that makes it better. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. Just validate that we had the right guys you know i mean yeah. it's it's you know it's about the same as hooking up some dude on a righteous beef you know righteous caper you get him for a good felony and the judge releases him and then he's out on bail and he commits another fucking crime so this time like i guess said all the same <laughs> yeah yeah and then you find out the rival gang just fucking offed him and you're like <laughs> oh all right that works too right Dickhead. <laughs> yeah so and yeah so a lot of missions, that's crazy. Yeah, we uh, a lot a lot of missions like that. Our when um when we lost our three guys, Tom, uh, Nate, and Dave. When we lost them on that night, it was one of the most routine um, patrols you we would typically go on. Um, and it was it wasn't a planned uh, informant meet. Um, Nate was on to a uh, an Iraqi captain who was a who was a who was a double agent. Um, yeah. we didn't know it at the time and what Nate, Nate knew something was up because he had, he had arrested one of our, uh, one of Nate's, uh, snitches who was a Sunni and this guy was a Shia and this guy, these guys we find out later on are supported by, um, Iranian militia guys. Mm. Uh, okay. The militia guys supported by the Iranians. Um, so um, we had a mission we were going to go on that night. It got canceled. Um, so um, Nate was already having beef with this Iraqi captain um, in that in that area of operation. And we had a uh, some guys were uh, taking pop shots at us one night when we were in that area, but we couldn't nail down who it was. I think thinking back on it now, I think it was probably the Iraqi captains in one of his patrols. Um, mm. But uh uh we had two other um agents who had information on um um on some guys who had killed one of our EOD guys with a secondary explosive they you know they they put one out um kind of like a dummy for uh, uh, uh an EOD tech to come in 
and investigated, and they set off a secondary and, uh, and killed him. So when they had that intel, I'm like, okay, well, we cannot not go out and meet this, this informant you guys have to get this information. Um, so when we went out that night and went to that area, um, it was basically like a setup. Um, there was a, a pressure plate uh, IED there waiting for a patrol when we got there. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck. Right. And then when the thing about us is we can investigate exactly who did it. Right. Through our, through our human that we have. Um, and then our, our synergizing with uh, our, our SEGIT guys and our, uh, and our imagery intelligence guys, we can, we could pretty much pinpoint it. And then through all our sources that we have in the area. Um, and it all, it all came back to this Iraqi captain and some of his guys. So, oh, yeah, damn. yeah, yeah. And so did you end up, that's, I guess that would be my big question is, so your, your, your boys get basically blown up in an ambush, right? They get set up. Right. And, we had a three truck convoy. And, um, I made a, I made a, I made a decision that night in about 15 seconds where I was going to drive the first truck. We were, we were short a guy that night. He was uh-huh. sent to a cutter for something. So we were short a guy that night and I normally wouldn't drive. And, um, they had me driving the second truck and they had Nate driving the first truck with, with, uh, Tom and Dave. And, um, I heard after the mission was briefed, I had made some changes already. And the guy's mission, it was, was, uh, Max and, uh, Dave's. And I could see they were tired of me screwing with her. You know how it is, man. You don't, once you have a plan, you have a mission, you don't want, uh, uh, an officer in there, you know, micromanaging crap, but right. They had, they had, uh, they had the commander, uh, driving, which that was a no go. We put him in the back truck. They had me driving the second one, which is, that was fine with me. They always wanted me in the center truck anyways, for, for tactical reasons. If something went down then I would make the calls on how we're going to, um, break contact or, or cover a Humvee and recover guys. And then, um, I was going to drive the first truck simply because it was probably going to be the last mission where Nate and Matt got to go on a patrol together because Nate was getting ready to uh, rotate back home. And those guys were roommates. Um, Nate lived with Mac and his wife at their house. Hmm. Um, and they were looking at me and I was thinking about it and I was like, no man, Nate, Nate was a great point, man. Nate, Nate knew that turn off into that area better than I did. And if you pass it, you blow by it, you miss it. Then everybody's pissed off at you. Cause now you got to drive all over the place, possibly hitting an IED covering terrain. You didn't have to, to turn around and come back to what you missed. Cause it wasn't easy. Like you can just turn around, like you turn around on right. out here, you know? So I was like, yeah all right, I'm not going to touch it. We're good. So they kind of smiled like, okay, you're leaving it alone the way it is. And I left Nate driving that first truck, man. And it was about a 15 second decision. Um, he, yeah, he, he, he took us right there, but sure. You know. So now do you get to go after the, the captain that fucking planned it? Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's, it's real dicey when you start pointing the fingers at somebody who's supposed to be an ally out there with us who's gone on missions and everything the deal with this guy was as long as you were going after sunnis he was all about it but the second you started 
targeting. And this guy was a bad dude. I mean, we had intel mm-hmm. on um, uh, throwing a grenade into a family's house and then a kid running out the back door and he shoots the kid. Holy you know? shit. Yeah, he was, he was just bad news. Um, we had intel on him killing one of his own colonels. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we grab one of the guys. We get one of the guys and um, he gets sent down to, to Baghdad to be hung. We had to go down there and um, uh, uh, witness to it, subpoenas, um, write statements, all that crap. Uh, and then um, the Iraqi captain is who we wanted. So that's who we were trying to tell the, uh, the Iraqi you know, um, judges down there that's who we wanted. I think they were Shia. I don't think they gave a shit. Mm. Um, the area that this guy was from, we actually tried to stay out of it because – um, we knew that um, uh, Shia militia, Iranian-backed, were, were thick in there. It was just a dangerous area. Mm-hmm. But when we finally had some more intel to go get another one of those guys down there, um, the the commander and our colonel from that was stationed over in Qatar were saying, hey, man, you need to take – because you're supposed to get three days off um, in the middle of your tour anyways or something. Go to Qatar – stay in a nice hotel, drink some beer, whatever, you know, right. and that's what one of our guys was doing. And, um, so they were like ordered me that I had to do it. And I had one of my most experienced agents, um, set to go do a raid on a guy's house in that bad area. Uh, it was called Dijail. Um, and it was a pretty good trek out there and we didn't want to go, the army didn't want to go unless we had tanks. Well, we wound up not getting tanks, but we got a shit ton of army guys and APCs and Humvees. So that worked when the mission was scheduled, the agent came up to me and he's like, Hey, where are you going? And I said, they're sending me to Cutter. They have my, they packed my bags and they had them sitting by the door. Um, the, the, the unit shrink and the damn chief were taking me with them down there to take a break, you know, because we've right. been at it pretty hard for a few weeks, um, tracking these guys down. And, um, we had got one, but the one I wanted was the captain. This guy made for, he went from like E3 to captain in two years. So, wow. Yeah. Damn. So, um, when he came to me, he looked at me and I go, you want, you want me to go with you? Don't you? He's like, could you? So I went and I jocked up my gear grabbed my rifle and my secondary and my radios and I walked into the office and I said, Hey, I got to go on this mission guys. I know you guys think it's better for me to go down there. I go, but I'm better if I keep working. And they just kind of looked at me and I walked out and we went and jumped in the Humvees and we took off and rallied up with a, with an army. And, um, we headed into that city. Um, and that, that was a mess, man. We went into that city we hit this house. It was, it was, uh, pretty populated. There was nobody there. All of a sudden we were just like surrounded by a crowd. Um, and I told my interpreter, I said, Hey, start asking some of these people if they know who this guy is, we're looking for. And this guy comes up and he's like, Hey, I know who you want. Will you pay me? And to Hmm. my interpreter, and he looked at me and he told me, and I said, yeah, he says, okay, but you got to freaking beat me up and put me on the ground and cuff me to make it look good. Or so these guys are going to get me. So like, all right. 
those she had. I swept his feet, put his face on the ground, cuffed him up and threw him in our home V. And he took us to the house on the other side of town. And the army guys were really cool about it because, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you just fraggo the whole, the whole mission. You're, you're, you're doing stuff on the fly now. So we patrol, but they know how important it is. So we patrol to this other house. And by the way, we have these guys with us. Um, OSI created a unit, a unit. It was actually a former um, special forces guy, army special forces major. He started this unit called the uh, anti-terrorism specialty team. Um, and I used to go to some of the courses with these guys since I was in the SEAL teams, I would go to some of the courses with these guys and um, audit um, the training that they were being put through. And tactically, these guys were really sound. They were mature guys. They were like all salt and pepper hair. They kind of like the HRT guys we used to train when I was in the teams. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Very seasoned guys. Um, and they can run, they can run informants, man, like, like nobody. So when we lost our guys, they landed and um, there's about, about four or five of them. And they rolled out with us on this mission like they'd been there yesterday, you know. Um, so we got those guys with us. We go into this place. Um, we hit this house. And it's a guy that's part of the captain's um, crew. Might even be one higher up. We, we go, the, the soldiers kick his door open. We go inside. The AST guys start searching the place. We got a perimeter outside. One of the AST guys is manning a, a crew serve weapon out there. Um, and more crowds are starting to come around. This guy's telling me, like, hey, man, there's nothing here. There's nobody here. We don't do anything. Um, the AST guy with me is reading him, and he's like, this guy's full of shit. And I find this room down the hall, and it's, it's the door's locked. And I'm like, what's in this room? And the guy's like, oh, an old lady rents that place out. She just stays there. She's not home. Hmm. So I look at this big soldier next to me and I'm like, hey, kick that door in. So he kicks the door in there and there's all kinds of shit, man. There's ammo. There's stuff for making IEDs. There's grenades. There's AKs. Oh, like, uh, yeah, this this old lady, man, she she's keeping secrets from you. Huh? Fucking weapons cache, huh? <laughs> right, right. So yeah. we clear that place out. And I grab that guy and I take him out front to the soldiers and I'm like, hey, hold on to this guy. Don't let him go anywhere. He's going with us. So they start questioning him and asking him for his ID and everything. And um, one of the AST guys calls for me and I go out there and he's like, hey, this van rolling by. It's the third time it's rolled by and it's got a side door open. There's military age males in there. It's like, whatever we're doing, we need to wrap it up. And then we hear gunshots like a couple homes over. So we're like, all right. And this is looking like it could get bad real quick. So I go back and I'm like, hey, where's our prisoner? Like, oh, we let him go to the house next door. He said he was going to get his ID to prove who he was. Oh, my oh God, man. Like, you're shitting me. <laughs> so <clears throat> I called the lieutenant and the lieutenant that's with us comes out and he just berates these guys. I'm like, holy shit. So the lieutenant's like, hey, let me go back. Let me have your turp. You guys go outside and I'll go back in this building with this woman and these kids and I'll get out of them where he went. I'm like, no, man, we don't roll like that. Let's just get out of here. Right. So we, uh, we get everybody out. We rally up. We take all the, all the, uh, all the crap we found with us. And that, that guy's in the wind and I'm worried that he's going to call somebody up and say, Hey, come and hit these guys that hit my house. 
So we all jump in our trucks and we're roll. And I go out to the uh, lieutenant. I said, Hey, I don't want to go back the same way we went out. I know we always go safe in, safe out, but I don't feel safe going back that way. Is there a quicker way to get back on our main road going on this side of the city? He's like, yeah, there's a route right up here, like half mile down the road. I'm like, let's roll that way. He's like, I agree. We get down the road, not even a block. And guess who's sitting there watching the whole operation? That fucking guy. Yeah, the Iraqi captain with one of his hands. Oh, fuck. Saw that, man. I just wanted to pull a grenade and roll it underneath his damn truck. Right. And you guys couldn't stop and, like, fucking jump out and... No, no. We didn't have we didn't have enough on them yet, you know, and right, right. you get in a lot of trouble. I mean, it even it ran through my mind like for years, like that AK going around the other side of the building, lighting that damn truck up, dropping it and walking back around. You know, it's just right. a lot of bad things go through your head because, you know, he you killed your brothers, you know. Right. So um, I I don't think I ever felt that much hatred where you could taste it, you know. Yeah. Or somebody. Um, so we roll out the other way um, and come to find out it was a good call because they had set an IED on the route. We would have went back and an Iraqi colonel hit it or another Iraqi officer hit it. Yeah. It was built right Shit. on the route. We would have went back out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. your gut instinct, you mean the, the spidey sense, like they, they tell us in, in law enforcement, like if you get the, the hairs tingling on the back of your neck, something's probably wrong. Yeah. And generally going with your gut instinct is probably the correct answer. And it yeah. turned out that yeah, it fucking was. And, you know, yeah. it saved you and you, the rest of the teams that were with you or the team guys or right. army guys that were with you and you saved all their lives. So, I mean, yeah, well, we, all, we all agreed, you know, it was like, it was yeah. getting kinky in there. We were just waiting for it to come down on us. Yeah. It's like going in the middle, middle of uh, the fucking ghetto, right? Like in the projects. And trying to right. hit a few few apartments in the projects, and next thing you know, you have all the lucky loose coming out. And there's only one way in, one way out. You're like, "Fuck me, we gotta go." You know, right. you, you're you're the law, you're the police, you're you're whatever. But they outnumber you, and if they decide to revolt or lynch whoever you have, yeah, you are fucked. Yeah, so, I mean that's the thing. Like it, it ultimately, you know, your authority lies in your ability to keep large masses of people at bay because if they decide fuck you and they're willing to give up you know a couple of people yeah your shit out of luck <laughs> right dude my agency has fucking contingencies for that with yeah. projects they're like hey you go into this i'm not going to name the project because you'll get it you'll know exactly where it worked but <clears throat> you go into these projects and one of a, a few projects and they're like hey if people start coming out i don't give a fuck who you are grab who you are and take off down the road. Um, and you're like, well, what about, what about like, like kidnapping? Like we're going to get fucked for kidnapping. Not if, not if you can articulate the reason why you had to, for tactical reasons, why you have to leave with that person in custody, even if you're just doing an investigation, because there are dangerous situations where officers have been, you know, ambushed or whatever. So there's always this contingency, like, this is the last option that you, this is how you're going to be able to articulate it and get the fuck out of there and go like two miles down the road so that you don't get fucked up. And there's even times where you have to go to special locations 
where you can't go with one officer. You have to go with at least three or four in a supervisor right. because it's going to be bad. And that sounds like the area that you were going yeah. to, like, you know, this is a bad area. You have to come in with a shit ton of people because the longer you're there, the worse it gets. And the more they get to start to surround you and it's quiet. And when shit goes quiet, it ain't good. Yeah. And that's similar to what we were discussing before we started recording, but it, you know, there's a lot of agencies where depending on what area you go to, you're, you're not a community police department. You're an occupying army and you, you yeah. it's, it, it's just, it is what it is. Well, Jack, I, I would, we would love to have you back this. I mean, I, I feel like we could just keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, would you be willing to come back on? Uh, we'd love to talk about your time on the teams. We'd love to get some of these other stories. Sure. I know you've got more. Sure. Yeah, man. You know, it's like I tell the kids, you know, when we, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, I teach military history, you know, and, you know, I can throw a story in there. They go, hey, those, you, you know, those are awesome stories. They don't know, by the way, that I wrote a book and I'm not telling them, but they always say, hey, you should right. write a book. But right. I tell them, I go, hey, go go do something, go do a job like this. Talk to your folks. If they serve, I'm sure they got the same stories and you can have your own guys, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Well, why don't you talk about the book a little bit so our listeners can know where to get it and, and where to find you. Right. Yeah, so, um, myself, I don't have uh, a social media footprint at all. Um, yeah, I but, can understand that. Yeah. Smart. But the, the author, uh, uh, uh Stephen Templin, um, you know, he's wrote several books. He's got uh, a couple bestsellers in the past. Um, I knew him from Buds, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got he's 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 got all the social media and the contacts and the information. Um, mm -hmm. The book, the book itself. Yeah, it pretty much just, um, you know, it's, it's dedicated uh, to, to our brothers that we, we lost. Um they were really good at what they did and that's, that's why they were targeted, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I tried to, you know, tell our guys, I'm like, listen, we're going into villages and people are disappearing that day, that night, or a couple of days later, they're going to figure out who's doing it um, or who the reason is. And then they're going to come after us and sure shit. That's what happened to us. Mm -hmm. so, so, Steven Templin is uh, you can find him. This is uh, the book is insurgent hunter. Right. Uh, and uh, you can get it at Stephen Templin, S T E P H E N T E M P L A N dot com. Uh, or I'm sure you can get it at Amazon US, Amazon UK, Barnes and Noble, uh, anywhere that you find fine books. Um, yeah, Kindle, a lot of people are reading yeah. off it now. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to see if, if he's got his. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, you can follow him on twitter or what is it x now um let's see it, it well his doesn't say what his twitter handle is uh and you can find him on facebook. i'm sure if you search uh facebook.com slash stephen.templin uh or if you search x for stephen templin you'll find it but again the book is insurgent hunter so if you want to hear more about jack's uh shenanigans and good times downrange hunting insurgents for the osi grab it because I, I i definitely want to read it as well um and uh, jack we hope that you would actually come back but as we as we do whenever we have a guest we want to uh let you dedicate your episode to 
whoever you would like and i i can i can tell that you you definitely have a dedication that's sitting on your heart yeah um three really good men they were good friends um tom crowell uh special agent tom crowell he was our superintendent there um we lost him on uh, november 1st 2007 along with uh dave wigger um another special agent um really nice guy uh got pictures of him with the kids in iraq they loved him and uh nathan schultheis you know he um he, he he had a law degree and he chose you know he chose to uh go down range and you know be a special agent and do the mission he was doing um when uh we go into the villages nate was one, was one of the guys that had hair down to his uh shoulders and I think all the kids thought he was Santa Claus when he came in because he was always bringing toys, candy, toothbrushes, and stuff like that. It was like we were the uh, ice cream truck when we pulled into some of those Iraqi villages. But uh, Nate was really good at what he did, and um, he stirred up a hornet's nest, and that's what what got us. Yeah. Well, rest easy, brothers. We've got it from here, Um, and uh, we'll keep dedicating our episodes until there's no one left to dedicate them to. But uh, I don't think that day is coming anytime soon. No. Yeah. Jack, no. we appreciate you. Uh, again, we, we would love to be in touch with you. We'd love to have you back on if you're willing. Uh, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that Jack, uh, for OPSEC reasons, has kept his identity <laughs> secret. So I think, right. I think I'm just going to put a picture of Secret Squirrel up over his icon. Uh, <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> Jack, we thank you coming. Do you have anything uh, you want to you want to say to our audience before we, we close out here? No, I, I appreciate the time talking to you guys, and um, I hope folks uh, have an understanding about what OSI is about, and maybe there's some uh, some folks out there who who want to serve. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Chuck, why don't you uh, take us out? Well, Jack, I want to say thank you so much for coming back on. We can't wait for you to come back on to the show. That'd be absolutely great i just want to say thank you everyone today for listening if you like today's podcast and the content we provide please help us out and uh rating reviewing us on apple Podcasts, spotify or really whatever podcast platform you listen to us on um you can follow us if you already follow us please like and share our content in our in our posts and uh, you can follow us on instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our facebook at war stories podcast uh you can also support us by going to www.warstoriesofficial.com grab some gear and if you want to be featured on the show or think you have a story to tell, go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that is booking.warstories at gmail.com so I can get you booked. We're always looking for law enforcement, veterans, uh, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. And if you have a friend you think would be a great fit, let them know about us. Give them our booking email. Try to link us up together, and I can speak to them, and we can get them booked to come on the show. And if you missed it, be sure to check out this book, Insurgent Hunter, Memoirs of a Navy SEAL Turned Counterinsurgent Agent in Iraq. So thank you for, and for those of you that, Yep. And for those of you that follow Locker Room, we're going to be doing Locker Room Live on <laughs> Thursday nights for right now while Matt is in yeah. North Carolina on set. Uh, he's had some some fun adventures on uh, some decommissioned Coast Guard boats. And and we'll we'll hear about uh, we're, we're recording this Thursday night. Well, last Thursday night as of when you're hearing this. So <laughs> you, as of hearing this episode, you heard all about Matt's adventures last Thursday on Locker Room, but uh, we haven't discussed it with him yet. So until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.